Good morning, everybody. Can we say hello to those that are worshiping online right now? Thanks, you guys, for joining us that way. Glad that you are. Glad that we can redeem some technology. It's a good thing. Now, I'm really excited about my message today, but I gotta tell you that this is a hard message, too. We've been in this series called Crushed, so if this is your first week, welcome. Uh, And if you've missed, let me just catch you up. This is all about knowing how to process, deal with, and kind of in the same token, when life brings those moments that are crushing us, how do we we just get our arms around the reality of, of our relationship with the Lord and the things that God can be doing in the middle of those tough times too? And the reason why this is a tough message for me is because I know some of your stories and I know what uh, some of you are currently even right now in this moment going through. And this week is going to be a little bit different than the others. Uh, like last week, Gary, uh, Pastor Gary told uh, the story of Lazarus when Lazarus had passed away and his sisters had asked Jesus to come and to help him because he was sick and there was, uh, there was a delay in Jesus getting there and ultimately Lazarus passed away and it was, it's an overwhelming story when you, when you unpack it and look at it, but it has this very happy ending, right? Jesus comes and he calls Lazarus to come out of the grave. And those moments where things work out in an amazing way are, are exhilarating to hear about. And they're even better when you experience those in your life, when, when you face a difficulty, a challenge, and God just intervenes and things just change and you're grateful. But that's not always reality, is it? <clears throat> I've been through things, many of you know our stories, and I know your stories, and there are times when we walk through moments of life where we are crushed by life circumstances, and yet sometimes when we walk through those circumstances and situations, there doesn't seem to be a happy ending. There doesn't seem to be some supernatural way that all things work out. And so today I wanna, I wanna talk about this. We have to talk about this. It's critical that we do. And so what if we're living the reality of a crushing experience that doesn't seem to have an end in sight? And for some, that might be a physical thing. For some, that might be a relational thing. I know some of your stories, and you've, you have loved ones that have passed away. For some, it might be an emotional issue that, that continues to just, just be part of the challenges that you have to face. For some of you, it's issues related to your children, extended family, friends. And these circumstances can be so difficult, the most challenging, the most hard things that we'll ever face. And if we're not, if we're not careful, and if we don't kind of think through these kind of things like we're going to do today, they can also be moments where we, where we can face some very significant spiritual consequences as well. Before I share the story that I feel like we need to talk about today uh, from Scripture, I need to also tell you that I don't have... I don't have all the answers here. I'm not going to pretend to. More importantly, if I'm describing your reality, I want you to know this. You're not alone. I want you to know that there are others in this room and there are people that have walked through very, very difficult times too. And we're not going to try and pretend that somehow what we could say today would make it all go away because that's not reality. But at the same time, we have to talk about these things. We have to talk about this. And I wish today, if you're walking through a season of life where you're feeling crushed and there doesn't seem to be an end in sight, I wish that there was a way that I could make it go away. I wish there was a way that I could take that pain away from you. And so today, what I promise you is I'm not going to give you pat answers. And the honest truth is that when we walk through these things, the reality of them just stinks. 
And if that's you, please hear me. My heart breaks for you. I've been praying for you this week. If it's not going away, we have to have a plan, though. We have to see that this isn't something that's just left out of Scripture. And I want to give you a game plan that I'm praying will, will help you. And for those of you that don't know, man, I could tell you a lot of stories. When I make the list of the challenging things that my family and I have been through, it's a long, long list. And it stinks. And I remember what it was like to get the phone call from my mom that my dad has Alzheimer's and then watch for the next 15 years as the man that I love and respected the most on this planet dwindled away 15 years. It was brutal. That's one of these moments like we're talking about now. And you guys know our story. I remember hearing the doctor say, I'll do everything I can to save your son's life. But if you believe in prayer, you better pray now. Those are lonely days. Those are difficult times. That's just to mention a a couple. I know what it's like to hear the doctor say, you have cancer. And I know some of you do too. And we have, to, we have to be real. We have to, and we can't do a series on moments that are like this, seasons of life where we feel crushed if we don't also talk about some that it just doesn't seem that there's gonna be an end to. So I wanna share with you a story today about a guy named John. And we're gonna pick up this story in Matthew chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have a, a, a smartphone, you can swipe to Matthew chapter 11. <clears throat> I don't love this story. But I'm going to share it with you. Matthew chapter 11, uh, let's start in verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in the towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus this important question, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Now, um, one of the things that I love to do is make sure that we have complete understanding of what we're heading into before we read this story. So i got to share with you a couple of details about this John guy, just to make sure that before we read this story, you're not missing some really important things. First of all, um, John's mom and Jesus' mom were related. You need to know that. Um, They both were pregnant at the same time. So John's mom... And Mary, that we know, were somehow related, which means that John and Jesus were related. You need to know that. And they have a unique relationship. As a matter of fact, when Jesus' mom came to visit John's mom, they were both pregnant. Scriptures tell us that John the Baptist leapt inside of her because he knew that somehow Jesus was in the room. Now, that's like baby Einstein there. That's awesome. And it also, scriptures tell us that it was in that moment that John the Baptist became filled with the Holy Spirit. That's just an incredible story. He leapt in his mother's womb because he knew this was the Son of God. That's what scriptures say. Later on in Matthew chapter 3, we learn that this is the same John that had the privilege of baptizing Jesus. Think about, I love to baptize people, but I've never baptized Jesus. That would be incredible. Can you imagine being the one responsible for baptizing Jesus? And it was an incredible moment when you read it in scripture. You need to go back and read it sometimes. It's amazing. 
So John the Baptist has people coming, and that's kind of why they call him that, because he was baptizing lots of people. And he's the, the prophet that was foretelling that Jesus was coming. <clears throat> well, then Jesus shows up. <clears throat> and Jesus comes down and says, it's my turn to be baptized. And you remember the scene, what happens? A dove from heaven comes, representative of the Holy Spirit, and flies towards Jesus. And then a voice from heaven declares, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Just to know, there's no mistake that this is the son of God in that moment. Do you know what I'm saying? John the Baptist was there. Scriptures tell us that it was in that moment that he, when he heard that voice, that he knew that this was the Messiah. This guy who did ministry out in the desert wearing clothes made of camel's hair and he ate bugs for breakfast. He called people to turn from their sins and repent. And a huge crowd followed him. He was an intense prophet and he didn't pull any punches. And I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but there was a king in this region at the time. And this king ended up with a second wife because he married his brother's wife. I know. It's like, ah. But so what happened in this situation was that John the Baptist was not afraid. He was not one to pull punches. He told them what they had did was wrong. And so now this king and his wife want John the Baptist in jail. And now he has a death sentence because this lady wants him to have his head cut off. That's where we pick up the story. And John is an amazing prophet too because out of all, as a matter of fact, you need to know this too. There was 400 years of silence leading up to John the Baptist speaking. So no prophet spoke for 400 years. No, no prophecies. Nothing happened. Nothing happened for 400 years. John comes on the scene and he's like, Jesus is coming. But what made him so incredible as a prophet that he didn't just say that the Messiah is coming. He also had the distinct prophet unlike any other prophet to be able to say, and dude's in the house. He didn't just say he's coming, he said he's here. That's an incredible responsibility. So you might find this following passage a bit surprising, but I hope in an odd way today, I'm also hoping that it's going to be encouraging. <clears throat> so now that you know that context, let's go back and look at Matthew chapter 11 and look at verse 1 again. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing, so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, look at this, look at verse 3, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Whoa. You just heard me detail the things that John had experienced, right? I grew up in church. Any of the rest of you grew up in church? Here's something you don't do when you're at church. You don't say, especially if you're a leader, having some doubts, Right? The church I grew up in, it was not a, a, not, a, not a friendly environment when you said something like that. Isn't that weird, though? Because raise your hand if you ever had a doubt. Of course someone's like, lightning, 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 right? It needs to be a safe place right here for us to be able to express truth. Can you imagine what his buddies must have been thinking when he said that? This is John the doggone Baptist. Hey, guys, I need you to go talk to Jesus for me. You mean your family guy? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, you know, Jesus, the one I baptized. Yeah, yeah, okay, I need you to go ask him a question. Will you please go ask him if he's the Messiah? Can you imagine the guys are like, whoa, shh, down, keep that on the down low, John. Good thing you're in prison here, <laughs> right? If people hear you talking like that, it might not be good. 
And this is vital. This is for someone here today because you've been asking some hard questions yourself. And this series has been about those times where you feel crushed and beaten down. And remember, this week is about those unique circumstances that don't seem to have an end. Many theologians believe that this imprisonment could have been a year or longer, basically some kind of solitary confinement. And John knew the end was not going to be good. And if you know the story, he was right. Because in the end, John the Baptist's head gets cut from his body and delivered to the king and his wife on a platter. But we need to see that one of the greatest people to ever live had some doubts when he was going through horribly difficult circumstances. And can I just tell you that I'm so grateful this story is in the Bible. I'm so grateful that we have a chance to talk about this today because it helps me know that I'm not alone, that we're not alone. And let's keep it real today. We've all had doubts, and this is a game changer. It's okay. It's okay. I also want you to see now what Jesus says about him after he asks this doubting question a couple of verses later, after John's disciples have headed back to give him the news, uh, then Jesus is teaching and he says this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, I tell you the truth, look at this, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Wait, hey guys. That was after he doubted Jesus said that. Hopefully that encourages you today. This guy's an amazing person. And my main thought for this weekend is this. Jesus is okay with my doubts. If Jesus was okay with John's doubts, he can live with yours as well. But let's start digging into John's question here a little bit. Why is he doubting that Jesus is the Messiah? How come come this is taking place? What is it that caused this uncertainty? I believe there's two reasons, and I want you to write these down too if you're taking notes, because these two things likely are the same things that you face that could cause some doubts too. So the first one, of the two reasons we doubt, the first one is that God isn't who we expect him to be. Have you ever had that happen? Where you came up with your own idea of what God was supposed to be, and somehow it just didn't work out the way you thought? That's happened to me before. And this, I don't have time to unpack this all the way today, but suffice it to say that John was like the rest of the Jewish people who were expectant of a Messiah to come, believing that that Messiah would be a one that would come in a political way with power to overthrow the Roman occupation. But instead, Jesus comes with love and mercy and service. So Jesus then responds to the question again, go back to John and tell him what you've heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. And that wasn't what John wanted to hear. He wanted to hear that this Messiah was coming and the Roman Empire was being overthrown, that the Jewish people would be released. What Jesus listed was basically exactly the same things that a prophet had prophesied earlier Isaiah had said in Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61 almost these exact same words verbatim. So what is it that is at the root of John's doubt? Jesus isn't exactly who John thought he was going to be. And that seems a lot like me sometimes. That seems a lot probably like you too. 
And this kind of doubt can happen to us, and we learn more and more about Jesus. And, and sometimes when we learn more about Jesus, we found out, find out that he wasn't exactly what he thought he was when we first met him. And this can be difficult, especially, guys, when you're imprisoned or held captive, even feeling as though you have a death sentence on you because of life circumstances that can feel crushing. When God doesn't fit our personally made-up paradigms of who we think he's supposed to be, it can cause us to doubt. The second one that I believe could also cause us to doubt and undoubtedly was part of what he was facing too was that God, um, we, we also doubt when God doesn't do what we expect him to do. Have you been there? I have. And this just makes so much sense because it's a reality in most of our lives too. See, I, sometimes I just try and put myself into the, the story a little bit and try and imagine what it would be like. So just imagine that you're John the Baptist, right? The chosen one to be the predecessor of all things Jesus. And, and you got a following of people that are listening to what you say and you're not afraid to pull punches. So, uh, or to, you're not pulling punches and so you end up in jail and, you're, and you know you got a death sentence and you send this message to Jesus. And some theologians will believe that maybe he was just wanting to remind Jesus he was still around and maybe could use a hand especially if you are the Messiah and you got power. And so the message comes back. Just imagine being in solitary confinement of some sort for almost a year and the message from Jesus comes back and the message is this, tell him this, that the blind see and tell him that the lame walk. Tell him that there are some people that had leprosy that don't have leprosy anymore and you tell him that the gospel's being preached everywhere. And if you're John, what are you thinking? Hey, Hey, bro, hey, can we add prisoners set free? Have you ever been there? Like, it doesn't seem like it would be so hard, Lord. Can you just come over here and let, I'm telling your mom, right? What if your mom calls? Because we, we like to think that there would be all kinds of ways that we can negotiate our way out of these situations too. And, and I can just imagine him saying these things. The, the guy that you've paved the way for, why haven't you rescued me? And, and most of our theological doubts, guys, most of the doubts that we have, not every single one of them, but I would venture to guess most of them, most of the doubts that we have about God can be traced to a place of personal pain can be traced to a place where we're feeling crushed by life. And John, no doubt, is, is feeling this crushing as well. He's suffering personally, and it's causing him to doubt. And if we're all honest, we get it because we've been there before. I've been there before, and maybe you're there right now. We can doubt when God isn't who we expected him to be. And we can doubt when God doesn't do for us what we expect him to do. And we have to be real. This is part of life. So here's what I need to do quickly. I'm not gonna pretend about this. But I'm gonna check for lightning. You ready? I've had lots of doubts. There's been times when I doubted. Where I've struggled with the way my life was going and the circumstances that we were facing as a family. But like, God, seriously, if I'm you, I fix this. I take care of this. It seems so simple because I've heard all the stories of what you can do. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. He's not supposed to say that. Honey, maybe we need to start looking for another church. 
Or maybe you're thinking, honey, I think we found the right church. How do we handle this when life seems to be crushing us? And so much of us, so many of us, have experienced these things before. And again, I promise you, I'm not gonna give you pat answers today. There's nothing that can make that reality go away. There's nothing that can just magic. I can't say something or pray the right thing that will just take your pain away. That's not reality. The pain is real. Your pain is real. My pain has been real. So real quick, I just wanna show you a couple of things that I see that I think can be applicable for all of us. And if you're not in one of these moments right now, you probably need to write it down because it's highly possible that you will be. And if you're in the middle of this right now, again, I don't want you to hear this as, as a pat answer. I want you to see what John did and what I've done that has helped me when I face these times when I doubt too. The first one is this. You have to admit that you have doubt. It's okay. It's okay. Don't feel like you're going to get punished if you doubt. He's a big God. He knows that it's hard for our minds to figure all of this out. The first thing we need to do is admit that we have doubt. This was huge. We don't hear this enough in church today. And the second thing, can I tell you what I see? That he also, he has some really good friends that he could express his feelings to. And so there would be two things that I see in that. First of all, you better have some good friends. You better have some people that you know it's safe and okay to be very real with. That when it stinks, you can say it stinks and they're not gonna try and make it feel better. They're just gonna sit in that moment with you. We're gonna talk about that more next week. Someone that's not gonna condemn you because you say you have some doubts. But rather someone that will sit in those moments with you and walk with you through those very challenging hard times in life. And the other thing that's part of that, my mom used to always say this, if you want to have good friends, be a good friend. Church, listen to me. Be that kind of friend to people. That they are safe to be able to be real with when the crazy comes into life that they know that they can be in your presence and share true feelings and share their hearts when they're broken. It didn't stop there. You see the other thing that I see in this story that <clears throat> is critically important for all of us to hear today is that in that moment when John had those doubts, what did he do? He took it to Jesus. And I want to challenge you today that when you have those doubts, you got to admit that you do and then you take it to Jesus. Because he can ha- if he'd handle John's doubts, he can handle yours and mine. When we take it to Jesus, see, that's where we begin to start to have some answers too. Uh, Jesus was okay with this, and he could have just stayed in jail broken, and that's what many of us do. I've been there too. But when we face these kinds of uh, circumstances in life, we need to take our doubt to Jesus. And you know what? Can I tell you too that that's another reason that sometimes it's very important to have really good friends? Because when you don't have it in you to go to Jesus, they can take you to Jesus. We need to be those kind of friends, and we need to have those kinds of friends. And then the last thing that I see in this story that is so critical is that we need to live aware of God's faithfulness. And Jesus reported back, go tell John what's going on. The blind see and the lame walk. And so this this week, 
I want you to take some time. Whether you're in a difficult circumstance of life or not, I, this is your assignment. Please do this. I want you to go home. I want you to take a piece of paper, get your phone out, and I want you to begin to list the ways that you have seen in the past God's faithfulness. And this might be another one of those reasons why you need to have some good friends because it might be hard to remember because when we get into those crushed moments of life, isn't it as though there are blinders on and all we see with such like laser focus is our little circumstance that we're dealing with and it's so painful. Sometimes we need to surround ourselves by others that will help us do this. And then just be reminded, guys, this book is full of people that doubted. Just read the stories. Moses doubted. Heard him before? That's kind of a big dog. He doubted. Gideon doubted. How about the disciples that were in Jesus' small group? They doubted. And Jesus was okay with all of that. We just need to know what to do with it. And I want you to hear me say today, doubters are welcome here. Because I actually believe that doubt is part of what will help your faith grow. When you do what we're talking about today and you lean into it, because we say this often at Plum Creek, we're all in process. And Jesus is okay with my doubts. And if life has been hard lately and it's causing you to doubt God or his goodness or his plan in your life, don't let that push you further away from him. Rather, let it push you closer to him. So start with the basics if you have to. Get out that pen and make a list. Start it on your phone. Start, start with one word. God is real. He sent his son. He died for me. And then begin to detail the ways that you've seen God's hand in your life before. It's an exercise that almost always tends to give us more faith and less doubt when you do it. And so, before I have you bow your heads, I want you to write down this psalm, because it's for someone here today. It's Psalm 77. And I'm going to read it to you today. And I want your heart to be stirred by the words of the psalmist that's describing living in the middle of one of these moments where we feel crushed by life. And I want you to listen to what he says, and it's, it's hard to read, and then there's a transition, and I'll tell you when it comes. You'll, you'll hear it. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Psalm 77, I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me when I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep, I'm too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days long since ended. When my nights were filled with joyful songs, I search my soul and ponder for the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. Oh, but friends, listen now. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. 
I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Father, you know what's happening in the lives of people that are sitting right here or perhaps those that are on the other side of a screen. And you know that life can bring these moments where we feel crushed and where we feel there's no hope. And Lord, you know too that it's in those moments that we're prone to doubt the most. So Father, I need your help today. Because we believe will you help us with our unbelief? Will you meet us in those moments and will you help us to know that in in your arms it's a safe place to be? And you're okay if we have doubts. And Father, I pray as well that you will flood our hearts and our minds with just the remembrance of your faithfulness. for the person that's hearing these words today that's walking through, Lord. One of these most difficult times of life, I just pray that they will sense and know your nearness, your embrace, your love, your care, even in the middle of the hardest times of life. Father, will you help this to be a safe place for us to be real? place where it's okay to tell the truth about how we're doing, but also, Lord, a place full of relationships where others will have opportunity to experience true friendship with others that will walk through those tough times too, where we have confidence that there are others that will take us to Jesus when we don't have strength to go ourselves. Move in this place, Father. Help us to be real with you, authentic with you, and to meet with you in the middle of the difficult times. We stand to your feet. We've talked about the importance of, uh, of bringing our doubts to Jesus today, and now I want to give you a chance to do that by the way that we're going to declare truth together in this last song that we're going to sing. So if you don't know the words, dial in on the screen because they're powerful. And let's declare these things together, knowing that all around this auditorium are people that need to hear this, just like you. So let's sing these words together, declaring truth 
that our God is with us even when it doesn't seem like it. He's right there. Let's sing this song together.
for your faithfulness. We pray.